You're listening to a Canucks Army podcast coming at you pre-taped from Mom's basement. Hey, Mom! We get some meatloaf! The meatloaf! We want it now! Oh, my goodness! Holy smokes! What hands! He went top shelf to beat Marvel! Oh, is that a piece of work by Brock Besser? Look at these hands. Boy, are they quick. <laughs> Welcome to this week's edition of the Canucks Army Podcast. And it's a very special one, JD, because we have Jason Botchford from the province, the Provies, and also from his very wonderful hits on 1040 on the show today. What's happening, boys? Um, well, you know, not much for me. I, I, I mean, where I am from the province and the Vancouver Sun, that's right, post media, I do do the Provies. Where are you, though, from, Zach? Like, me? I'm, are uh... you a Canucks <laughs> Army guy? I can say I'm a Canucks Army guy. You're not a 1040 guy. guy, so wh- what are you? Uh, Where are I'm, you from? I'm, I'm a broadcaster. Uh, I currently work in the broadcasting industry. I'm still with 1040 um, for the time okay. being. And, uh, that's yeah. how you're going to play it, eh? That's how play it. I'll have more to say very Canucks soon. Canucks Army to me, Seth. I am Canucks Army. See, you're Canucks Army to me. My Twitter profile says Canucks Army, so let's go with the Canucks Army title for the time being. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I know. Patterson's gone. You're in some kind of limbo. You can't even say. I'm getting like you can like fucking wink twice if this isn't true. But you're going to. Um, my guess is that you're going to be hosting a show on Sportsnet with Steve Darling. Is that? Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa! Am I right? Uh, I don't think that's entirely correct. No. All right. I don't All think right. that's entirely correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I don't think I've had a con- I don't think I've ever had a conversation with Steve Darling. Oh, really? Yeah. That makes well, two of us. <laughs> Maybe you will. I hear you on Sportsnet. So. <laughs> Let's wait and see. That's the big hot rumor out there, Sat. And everyone's oh. trying to figure out, I guess, what's gonna what what's gonna happen to you. Yeah. I'm gonna well, predict uh, for you. I'm gonna predict, and I I don't know. Like honestly, I have no clue. But I would predict uh, good things. And I, I honestly, I'm like super stoked. Good things are happening to all kinds of people. Like you know, we we all know Jeff Patterson. I think he's got like the perfect role with 1040. Uh, great hire there. Uh, Going to be the Canucks reporter. Travel with the team. A guy who works really hard, and I think that he worked really hard. And in, in after getting let go, he's earned that. And, and like you too. Like I mean, you've you've really like one of the things I think that stands out uh, and is obvious when you spend any time listening to you is that, I mean, you put a ton of work into the job. And I'm just happy that guy, good things are happening to, to guys that work. Re- like if you notice like a lot of the old timers right now when they retire, it's all about like stories about them. Oh, I'm going to miss drinking. I'm going to miss the bars, the post games. Like I have no I, I, I can't relate with that world at all because I kind of came along in the era of the internet where it's, I mean, the job is virtually 24-7. So I'm of this ilk of, like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Like, I don't go boozing after games. Like, all my memories are working my ass off and trying to get stories. They're not hanging out with, like, three national columnists in a bar till 3 a.m. So I don't get that lifestyle, and I'm glad... That guy, like, I, I consider, you know, guys like you guys, Patterson, guys out there that are just 
grindstone all the time working it, I'm glad that that good things are happening for these guys. So I, I, I do see good things for you. I, I'm, I'm getting, you know, clearly you're not telling me what those good things are. <laughs> Maybe a midday host, midday. I can see you midday hosting, but, um, but I'm happy about it. Well, I appreciate the kind words, Bosh, but I, I think that's the big thing about this age, right? I mean, we're from the information age. Knowledge is power. The more you know, the more you need to find out. It's, it's about conversation, right? And the only way you can have good conversation and sort of resonate with today's fans, because the fans nowadays know as much as we do, sometimes even more. They're right there. I mean, you, you can't come unprepared. And I think, you know, you just have to work extra hard nowadays to keep up with that pace. The, the information pace is just too fast nowadays. Yeah, and I think even the Canucks seem to be working hard now, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that they're doing, like, bizarre, right? Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're doing smart things that I'm just kind of taken aback by it all. Like, like I, I've, a lot of people assume that they'd be going in hot and heavy for Ryan Miller uh, leading up to this weekend, and that never materialized. And I was surprised that they, they gave him, you know, I, I, I thought they would only need to offer him a one-year deal to kind of blow everyone out of the water. And as as it looks like, he's going to sign a one-year, $1 million deal in Anaheim. So uh, there was not a lot of big interest. You know, there wasn't a great Ryan Miller market. But the Canucks still, you know, to, to offer him a one-year deal with a lot of incentives, that doesn't strike me as like a traditional Jim Benning move. Like usually he picks his guys and he overpays them. He did it with Miller the first time. Spiza was a Benning guy. Dorsett was a betting guy. Like the, the guys that got the big contracts were betting guys and they got paid. And here we are this week seeing a betting guy um, move on. And um, and it looks like replaced by a guy like Anders Nielsen uh, on, on a, what's going to be a pretty cheap deal. And all of a sudden this team is, uh, is going to have, I th- has the opportunity anyway, to have a very cost-effective, efficient, net-minded duo. Here's my question for you: If the Canucks do go for Anders Nielsen on a short-term deal, yeah, I think I think they will. I think it'll be a two-year deal. Now, is that going to be to compete with Jacob Markstrom, or how do they see that dynamic playing out? Well, yeah, I think it'll be. To, I hope it'll be to compete and push Markstrom. Markstrom needs that. I mean, Markstrom's no sure thing. Like everyone assumes, like oh, I mean, Markstrom's 27. Markstrom's career save percentage is what 906. Markstrom did had a very underwhelming season this past year, and I think that there were a lot of factors in it. I think it was a complicated situation. I think it was a, an unfair situation. Like I, I think looking back, it's ridiculous right now to remember. And I remember so vividly, like Jim announcing in September, without even being at. Like actually, no, I think it was on 10:40. They asked about the goaltending situation, and he announced then for the first time that. You know, he was adamant Miller was to be the number one guy, which looks crazy now. Like, why are you so adamant that the 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 36-year-old, one of the oldest goalies in the game, on an expiring contract, be dominate the starts when both him and the up-and-coming guy, 10 years younger, uh, are healthy? And when they were both healthy, Miller started 75% of the time, and. and it seemed Jim seemed to call it right in the right in September, and Willie seemed to fall through, you know, right till Markstrom got hurt at the end of the year. Uh, so super weird situation. I th- hope 
you know, if we're going to follow this idea that the Canucks are doing smart things, I would think it would be, uh, you know, a fair battle. Like, why do the, the Canucks don't owe, I mean, they owe money, but they don't owe Markstrom the number one job. Uh, I would say he's the, the, the lead horse right now going into a, uh, the, the fall and going into training camp and going into the, the race. But why not? Like, you, if, like, Nilsson, two years ago, when he arrived in Edmonton, he won. He actually overturned Talbot as the starter for a long stretch there in November. Uh, after it was, you know, Talbot was the clear-cut number one guy. Nilsson outplayed him. Uh, he became the go-to guy for McClellan in November. Uh, he hit a wall. Uh, I'm not sure I understand all the reasons why he hit a wall, and he struggled a bit after that. But he came back last year, had a really good season, and I think he's, you know, he he's definitely poised. To, to be uh, in a sparring match with Markstrom for the, for the entire season. And this also really sets up their goaltending situation well, doesn't it? Because Demko this way will most likely not be rushed for at least two years. And, and if Markstrom's not very good, at least you got another guy that could be something. And you're right. I mean, I'd much rather spend a two-year contract at a very fair range for a guy like Nielsen who's still fairly young than a guy like Ryan Miller. So if, if we're following along with them doing smart things, I mean, this would be sort of, what, the third really smart thing they've done since the deadline and after the draft? And, and none of these, but none of these guys are given, right? Like, and you guys well know, like, there's, it's not, like, people talk like Temko's going to be this dominating number one goalie for the Canucks, and it's just tick-tock, a matter of time, and the countdown has started. No, no one knows if, that, if he's going to translate to the NHL, and no one can know if he's going to translate in the NHL. Not only do they need time for Demko, but they also need options, like plans, other plans, right? Like, there's no future with Ryan Miller. You bring in a guy like Ryan Miller, there's no future. Nilsson, he has a chance to, to be, you know, a, a good goalie in the NHL, and he's got some upside there. Uh, and more importantly, they've, they've taken a position and they've, they've dramatically reduced the amount of payout uh, that they're dedicating to that position. And I think that that should allow them, could allow them, if they uh, have enough thought into this, to do other smart things that's going to help the team build for the future. Well, I guess that's the one concern, though, is how are the Canucks going to use that cap space? Because in recent days, we've seen them connected to Michael Stone. We've seen them connected to Carl Alsner. I don't believe that. Come on. Alsner makes no sense. No, no, of course it makes Alsner no sense. makes no. He, they need offense. They, they need they, – they realize that. I, I just – I don't see – I just honestly to, – to pay that – to pay what Alsner is going to cost when there's – like that would – that just makes zero sense to me. I'm right there with you, but it's, it's – it is kind of interesting to see the Canucks connected to all these big ticket free agents. I mean, there were rumors what like a month ago that they were in on uh, TJ Oshie. So you yes, kind of wonder yeah. what, what direction are they going to go with their cap space? Are they realistic about their situation? Are they genuinely building, or are they going to look at this as an opportunity to really improve their team on the margins and and make a serious run at it? Well, I, th- I think this is the, one of the great questions of this summer. Um, are they really re- rebuilding? Because they were, they showed no inclination to acquire more draft picks uh, in Chicago, and that is, you know, a rebuilding team. What do you do? I mean, one of the big things you need to do is acquire a lot of draft picks, right? Rebuilding, you're almost 
at, at the beginning. You're almost at the start. And they almost are at the start. Like, they're at the bottom of the league. They've got a long way to go. It's going to be a huge job to get them back into being a perennial playoff team. So why not be out there trying to uh, acquire picks? Like, I think that there's a lot of adequate-esque kind of defensemen that you could grab in free agency and fill spots. They got a lot of calls on Good Branson at the draft. They were unwilling to trade him then. Um, I, I think it would surprise people if they knew the value that he still has around the league. I think that if you're really keen on rebuilding, like you're really clued in to what's happening here, I think you have to look at things like getting more draft picks, like signing veteran defensemen on short-term deals and maybe trading some of your more valuable defensemen like Good Branson and maybe even, and of course, Tanev and guys like that. Now, are they going to do that this offseason? So far, from what I'm hearing, they're not. And they don't have any inclination to do that. That they do still uh, want to ha- be holding on to both sides of the rope. They want to say that they're rebuilding, but they also want to bring, to have a team that's, you know, kind of my slogan of, my idea of the Canucks slogan. <clears throat> like, when I close my eyes and I picture <laughs> their boardroom, and, you know, the Raiders have that, that thing in their locker room, just win, baby. Yeah. Like, I, I picture the Canucks in their in the management boardroom and in the locker room. We want to be better than people think. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the thing that sits there. So, like, they do want someone to play center. And there was some belief that people in the organization thought, oh, she. Like, it is weird that their number one priority is to find a center, but that seems to be the case right now. Well, how hilarious is that? Like, how long have they needed a succession plan for the Sedins, and it's just occurred to them that this is something they should maybe prioritize? Yeah, I mean, people have been talking about it since, I don't know, since 2012 or 2013, like in that era. Like, there's nothing coming behind the Sedins, and you can't pin this all on Bo Horvat, and Brandon Sutter's not the solution and now all of a sudden uh there's this great urgency in trying to find a center because you know henrik and daniel could leave after this year like another really bad 29th overall humiliating second half uh exhausting trying to deal with the young guys another season like that uh i really do wonder if they're going to want to come back and if they don't then what, right? Like, you're kind of stuck. Because Pedersen's not going to be ready. Sutter can't really play in a top six. Bo, you know, you, you, you still want to, you don't want him just diving into the deep end. Like, it's, it's just a really, like, I can see why, I can see their thinking of like, oh man, we called out, like, this is it. We got to find a center who can create some offense. Like, get Gagne in here, like maybe he can give us some Sedin insurance, and that's really kind of what they're looking for right now, some Sedin insurance. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about Gagne, and that's probably the most likely bet, and it wouldn't be a one-year deal because Gagne is looking for something, something more, some more security than that. But could you no, see no. he's earned, he's earned a real contract. exactly. So can you see the Canucks giving Gagne say a three or four-year contract at three to four million per year? Yeah, I would say that that would be in the range. Yeah, that sounds right to me. I mean, why? 
he just had a 50-point season. And Career high, I think, too. Yeah, and he's a good forward that got screwed in Edmonton. And he played really well in a uh, kind of with a governor on him in um, Columbus. And, like, I, from my read, I don't know, J.D., like, his underlying dad looked pretty good to me of how he performed there. Uh, like, like I, I, I know I know he got a rap as being a power play guy, but he looked pretty good at evens to me. Gagne is, is I think that he looked a bit better than he actually was last season in the sense that he played some pretty cushy minutes. Right. Something of, like, a stacked fourth line. So you kind of combine those factors, like the immense depth of the Columbus Blue Jackets roster. Right. And the fact that he's not getting the difficult matchups, I think that his even strength scoring might be a bit overstated. But I think there's something like legitimate to what he can contribute on the power play, and that in it, in and of itself, has huge value. Like, how long? I mean, it would have huge value if it really mattered. I mean, but you know, I, I get to them, it would have huge value. Yeah. Yeah. To exactly. Us, that's that's like, what's I'm the saying. value? They're going to go from 29th to what? 25th? 24th? You know? Yeah, and if you do sign him, I mean, not that the Canucks have a bevy of forwards, but I mean, you're still taking a top nine spot away for somebody like a Goldobin. I know maybe Besser might start the year in uh, Utica anyways, but I mean, Besser, if you're looking at Besser and Vertan and Goldobin, these guys, you know, making opening their lineup, if you sign Gagne, one or two of them will not be on this team, or at least not in a pr- pr- prominent role off the hop. Right. They would be... Uh... They would be definitely limited there, and I think that would be okay uh, if for them if, if Besser doesn't start the season with the Canucks. I, I honestly think he's going to make the team, and he's going to—he's just going to be—he's just going to be too good for him not to. That's just my read of where he's going to be in training camp. Um, but uh, but you know what, what are you saying? Like you know, the Canucks have too much offense. And, well, no, it's more about development. I mean, are, do you want to develop young guys and sort of build towards the future, or are you so worried about staying competitive that you're willing to take a spot away from, you know, a guy that could use the year in the NHL? Or maybe, you know, like you're right. I mean, if you can, never I, I think the hurt. guy I'm most worried about is Goldobin, and how, like, you could see how Goldobin and Willie. I mean, that just that did not mesh at all. And if Goldobin doesn't click with Travis who's got a lot of the same sensibilities that Willie does uh, and had. Um, I, don't, I don't, I think would be like, I don't know that that's the kind of guy I, you get sign a guy like Gagne. And then I worry that Goldobin gets, he's the guy that gets lost in the musical chairs. Like he's the guy that doesn't get the ice time, doesn't get the development time, doesn't get the top six time because of a move like that. Yeah. That's, I, it's unfortunate because, I mean, that's the thing the Canucks are going to have to confront if they sign any free agents. Like, if you look at their roster as currently constructed, there genuinely isn't room to add any more forwards to this mix. I guess well, it's a question of who they're willing to send down and for how long. Why? What do you mean? What's So what? why? What's their fourth line? What's their fourth line? Well, they got Chaput. Uh, oh, come on. Tendered. Hey, he was a good fourth liner. He was a really I mean, good he's liner. fine, but he doesn't have to be in the lineup. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. You know, the only guy who's a lock, I mean, in Gaunt's, who's with the sh- shoulder sh- surgery, I know they say he's in ready by camp, but, I mean, there is a chance that he's not healthy enough to start the year anyways, right? Dorsett's the only guy you really pencil in on the fourth line, I'd say. And Vertanen, right. depends on Vertanen, I mean, um, I think... So what if what if Gagne has that same role in Van that he had, you know, fourth line, power play, like, 
couldn't he be in the same role? No, you could be. I, I, I have less of a problem with the Gagne signing if you go after him. But the thing is, how many years are you looking at? I mean, is it worth giving him, say, a four years, a four million per year? Is that really what you want to be having as an extra player on your team? I mean, if you're talking about two or three year deals, three million per year or something, I mean, I think that would be a fine contract. Right. Yeah, I would. I would hope that they would keep it in the. You know, I think three years is the minimum that he's going to get after that season. To me, um, I think he's he's kind of moved on past the two year range. And if they want to be competitive, they'd have to give him a three year deal. But what if they sign him, trade Sutter? I mean, you guys get on board that. So. We'd be on board with that. Oh, the yeah. question is, would they ever do it? Do, do they still? I no. think they understand Sutter's Jim not a top two. Sutter. Like that would be the ultimate, like holy shit moment if they if you start hearing that like Sutter is like he just loves Brandon Sutter like I talked to him like I brought up that whole like I said like I laid it all out I said like look Jim like people have made a really good case here that you could expose Brandon Sutter and here's some of the reasons and, and he just was having none of it and said like would never consider it gave me the line that um if he would, you know, if it wasn't for his wrist injury, he would have scored 20 to 25 goals. And I'm like, okay, maybe 20. I don't think he was scoring 25 goals. It's only the last six weeks. And I think he still ended up with four goals in March. And his highest in any month was five. And he would have literally needed another, like, eight goals to get to 25. He would have needed, like, a totally realistic. 12, 12 goal month. Like he would have been, he would just been on this amazing. Like he just envisioned this incredible, like Ovechkin in his prime sniping run <laughs> late in the season, where every other game, fucking Sutter's picking corners, <laughs> hitting five holes, scoring goals. You can't expose that. So he loves, like he loves him some Brandon Sutter. So well, that's not gonna happen. So I mean, staying with things that could happen. I know before we let you run here, let's look at. Possibly on defense. I mean, are they going to go after a guy like, say, Hunwick or Delzato? Or would they actually entertain, as Friedman says, or considering Jason Demers in Florida, can you see them trading for Demers? Or do you see them going after a guy like Hunwick? I don't know. Like that Hunwick one kind of caught me off guard. Like, I'd heard a lot about the inquiries about Good Branson in Chicago. I didn't hear about uh, Demers. And I saw a lot of people kind of speculating maybe it would be Good Branson for oh, Demers. Yeah, I, was, I was messing around about that. <laughs> yeah, and that, that does. It does make sense to me when I start connecting the dots with some of the stuff I heard from Chicago. But again, I like I would rather them take Demers on, pay, keep Good Branson, and then trade Good Branson for futures. And if they were able to pull off a scenario like that, I'd be okay with. I'd be fine. Like that would be to me that that would be that would be some good chess right there. That that would be some nice. Maneuvering, like they have to, they have to focus at some point here on acquiring more futures, right? Like this, they can't just hope every, you know, just go with this. Like for instance, this draft, there a lot of people are, are saying great draft, and one of the reasons is they had two second round picks. Well, that that wasn't any shrewd getting that second second round pick wasn't a shrewd design plan move by them. It kind of fell into their laps with the Tortorella thing. Like they haven't really ever been focused on like trying to get more first and second round picks. And I think where they are right now, they should be doing stuff like that. And I think good Branson is a piece that can get you those kind of picks. 
uh, still. And uh, I think that, that he kind of would, in this Demers scenario, become expendable if you were able to get Demers without giving him good friends. My question is, if they acquire somebody of Demers' caliber, does it make TANF expendable? And I ask you because you're the lead member of the Trade TANF Club. I am, but I mean, I talked about this before. Uh, I, I'm pretty frustrated with the, with the way that uh, the Canucks seem to handle it. Like, they seemed, on one level, like, they half-assed it. Like, that one level, oh, we're open to trading Tanev, but they didn't chop him. They didn't, like, go out trying to target people and say, hey, you know what, maybe you want some Kanban. Um, they just kind of sat back and said, you know what, we'll take calls. And the, the weird thing is, they ended up getting more calls on Goodbranson and better offers for Goodbranson. Better offers too. Better offers too. Well, that makes sense though, doesn't it? Because if you if you keep telling everybody we want immediate help if we're trading Tanev, we want somebody that can help us today. Well, a contender is not going to trade a roster player that's going to help him today to get get Chris Tanev. They're talking well, about that, yeah. picks and prospects. So when they're saying no to any scenario that includes any picks or prospects, teams are like, well, forget this. There's no point of us talking Tanev with them. So how about a first and a B prospect for Goodbranson? So I can see that scenario, and it's not because Tanev doesn't have the value. It's because you're never serious about shopping him in the first place. That's right. And I don't think, like, I think, I, I don't think they were ever serious about trying to trade Tanev. And I think almost now they, they, they can come up with this line, well, we never got any, like, good offers. But, like, hold on. You're, like, letting people know you you needed a young defenseman in return? Like, that, no one's going to give you, a you know, an up-and-coming 22-year-old defenseman for 27-year-old Tanev. It's just not how that trade was ever going to play out. So when you make that the demand, you make that the ask, it, it kind of voids the whole thing. Like, it makes the whole thing move. Like, you're just not going to get any headway there. And I think that that's a really good point about Gabranson. Teams looked at it and said, hey, you know what? These guys aren't serious about trading Tanner. Let's try to get Gabranson off their hands, who's on an expiring deal. Well, that's, that's kind of the interesting thing about the Gabranson contract and the sort of dynamics around that. Like, they only signed him to a one-year deal. They're staring down unrestricted free agents. You think this is something they'll revisit at the trade deadline, or are they? Oh come on! It's going to be like such a story all year. Like it's going to be the story. Because um, do you think they'll sincerely approach this as a trade chip, though, or do they still see him as a core piece, though, in your estimation? I I think that they'll realize at some point there's a there they have to either sign him long term or sign him to a multi year deal, or they're they're going to have to trade him at the deadline like that like they're gonna hit that wall at some point this upcoming season so i'm not sure on which side of the fence they're gonna land on so far i'm guessing multi-year deal because they were really you know those calls were they were super reluctant when they were taking the, the calls and texts on them at the draft which suggests to me they're gonna wait to see how this plays out and uh you know they would, given their druthers, they would like to get him sign, you know, sign him, and bring him back for two or three years, believing that they need his size and all of those things that they lost in, in Trampkin and Spiza. If he gets off to a good start and the team does half decently, I predict he gets an extension before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's that's a pretty. I think that that would be that that's the over under. If if he doesn't have the extension. In if if it, we hit like mid January, then then it's going to be a huge story. Well, you know what? We will be listening and following along quite a bit over 
the next few months until we get to that point, Botch. We do thank you for your time. I know it's very precious. Well, who do you guys late. want them to sign? I don't even, me? I didn't even, yeah. Well, like, us. Well, I want Del Zotto on defense. time to hear us out, then. Yeah. I'd sign Del Zotto. If I'm looking at a defenseman, I'd look at him at a one or two year contract. Pay him yeah, I heard three million they year. acquired on Del Zotto. What so about that... Woody Franzen? Oh, man. They never seem interested in Franzen. I don't, like, Franzen, like, would love to play here. And he's, you know, he's always been in this situation where he's been the bargain guy and they just give him no love france gets no love from them i don't know what their deal is with him he i i just don't get it like his skating is subpar but it's not like cody franson isn't a physical defender who has size like he fits that in school yeah and they have no problem with subpar skating no and and he's somebody you can play on a second unit power play i don't get it yeah i mean those those are a couple guys i think that uh i think they're at least interested and to me, that they definitely seem to make sense. Like I, I, I think Delzado is going to end up on a one-year deal. Yeah, or I mean, or Simone Dupre, even if as like a uh, PTO type of guy. I mean, I'd be looking at guys like that. I mean, a younger defenseman, maybe some, maybe some upside. Uh, Delzado would make sense. Uh, I, I could see somebody though, you know, giving Delzado a three-year contract, and I'd stay away really? from that at this point. Uh, he had a good. I mean, you look, it's a really, really bad uh, free agent class. He was super. Yeah, I know, but I mean, he had to sign a two-year deal last time, and. He was super inconsistent. He was, but there, like I say, you look at the look at he's maybe the best defenseman on the market. But it is, you're right. It is a bad, it's a bad crop at the, at the top end. It's a bad, it's a bad crop. Shattenkirk's the best. I mean, he'll get something. He's the guy that's going to get paid. And after that, it's you know whatever your flavor is. Alzner's probably going to get a bad contract from somebody. It seems. But like. how many of the, like and you look at all the guys available? Like how many of those guys would you take over Spiza? Like I would take like there, there's all there, I I honestly think there's like 25 guys I would take over Spiza like I I'm not even kidding like I'm going through that list but I'm like yeah like that to me makes more sense than Spiza I would take him over Spiza and like to have the Canucks say well every you know we've got to change our entire plan because we've lost Spiza it just doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, what about Vegas? They pick them and they're trying to trade him now i could see them maybe moving him at the deadline but did they actually think there was a market to trade spisa during the offseason i i know there i mean the canucks at one point apparently looked into trading spisa and had who would take that card like i said there's a ton of <laughs> no. guys available who you could have for way cheaper than 3.6 million it it makes no sense to, to, to sign Spies in. It makes no sense from the Canucks' point of view to say, oh, like we had these great plans, we would think about trading Tanev, maybe we get Brands, but now, now that we've lost Spies, like nothing, we're, we gotta lock it up, man. No, like nothing's we're... gonna happen now. Like there's a ton of guys out there who will be better than Spies this year and will be had for like a million bucks and less. Yeah. Well, you can always look. That's why I'm signing depth guys to big contracts. It never makes any sense. You can find those guys free to see every year for. 10 cents on the dollar if you really want to. But it, one guy's name was out there, not a defenseman, but Anton Rodin. Is there any chance that Canucks re-signing him and give him one more shot? I like. I, I don't see how that makes any sense. Like the chronic knee problems. Um, I mean, maybe another team gives him a shot. But as you're pointing out earlier, like what Rodin's going to sign and play in Utica all year? Like that doesn't make any sense. He's not going to make the team, right? Like, he's not going to make the team out of training. Like, let's say they're going to sign a forward that can play, that can play, or at least they want to. 
And then that kind of knocks the line back a spot. So as we were talking earlier, it could, could cost Goldobin games. It could mean Besser starts the year uh, in Utica. Like, what would it mean for Rodin? Like, I'm sure that they wouldn't mind Rodin. And if he was willing to come and play in the AHL for Utica for the year, sure, sign him. I don't yeah. think he wants to do that, though. No, he probably wants to say, get, get one more NHL shot. But Yeah, that's, whole, like, that's all he wants. Like, his whole thing, like, he's just burning to play in the NHL. And I don't. I just feel like he missed his chance. I just feel like it's just not going to happen. It's unfortunate. Just imagine if the Canucks didn't play him that extra preseason game. <laughs> that, I'd be telling a different story right now. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. A lot of things last year went sideways, and but one thing it is. I mean, you touched on this earlier, Botch. I mean, are these guys learning on the job? Like, are, are we sort of seeing them sort of learn on the job? Started at the deadline. Now we all know the reason they traded traded Hansen to begin with was the expansion draft and. They really had to come around on trading uh, Burroughs, and they finally did. But they got a good return on it. But then at the draft, and even Lyndon himself said, you know, we use analytics more. Are we seeing these guys learn on the job? Uh, yeah, I guess, like, some of it. But, it, I mean, if there was no expansion draft, Yannick Hansen would still be on the team. Yes, sir. So, uh, and then they never would have, like, I don't know, man. I, I think that that... That right there shows me that, that they're not entirely uh, in line with what a lot of us think that they should be doing, and they're not totally all in on a rebuild. Um, because when looking back, even when you look back and you think, oh, you've got a really great prospect, good goal scorer, can, play, can make plays from the wing, and you traded 30-something Yannick Hansen, like, great deal. Like, in retrospect, you must love that trade. No, you know, I wish we still had Hansen, and there was no expansion draft. If there's no expansion draft, they'd still have Spiza. So, like, these events, like, and Ryan Miller kind of got this opportunity in Anaheim. And, um, again, it, it's setting them up to make the right decision. I mean, if Miller doesn't get that opportunity in Anaheim and signs with the Canucks instead, if there's no expansion draft and Spiza and Hansen are still on the team, are we saying that they're learning on the job? I think, like, Maybe there's not. been some fortuitous things recently that have conspired to help the rebuild. And um, I think now, though, they got to back it up. Like, they got to do more than just, you know, wait for their draft turn draft. Like, they got to, like, they got to do, there are lots of things that they can do uh, to, to accelerate a rebuild. And they can start now. Like, they can, like, look at the, Vegas pulling off trades, taking off, taking on the, those bad contracts. I mean, the Canucks aren't even considering that. No, instead, they're looking at signing Sam Gagne. I mean, we're, we're legitimately talking about Sam Gagne possibly signing a multi-year contract with the Canucks to help their power play. Right. I mean, that is what we're talking about. So, obviously, this is not a full-fledged rebuild. It never has been. Small um, it, it always R, has been. And that's why they were so reluctant to use that word rebuild. I mean, they kept never wanting to use it because what it no, means it, to you it is. is different it's the than that. It is the reluctant rebuild. Yeah, reluctant rebuild. <laughs> and, you know, it's the rebuild without going out and trying to get more picks. It's the rebuild without uh, only only trading vets for futures when you have to. And it's the rebuild where, you know, we'll see. I mean, they could they could change my mind this week and this offseason. But I think when you say the word, we are rebuilding, you've got to back it up. And so far, guys, I haven't seen anything to back it up. I saw a good draft. And they, they, they got some offense, they got some good players, but there was nothing rebuildy about the way that weekend went. And we'll see if there's anything rebuildy this weekend. 
We will find out very soon, Botch. We do thank you for your time. Yeah, you've gone overtime with us. We do appreciate it, though. And hopefully, and to put you on the spot, the podcast will return, will it not? Or is that like what, what's happening here? Like you guys, you um, you, you and JPAC can just leave us hanging with no no podcast. I mean, all these fans know, bought right? in. I mean, every day they, they they keep asking you for you know two times, three times a week podcasting, and now you're gonna give them none. What's up? Um. I, you know what? I don't have a great answer. I know the higher ups are going to meet and try to hash it out. That there's a lot of behind the scenes work being done to try to save the podcast. I know that we're going to uh, get together on Monday. And the thing is, like, I'm going to be really frustrated for, like, if if it does not survive, I'm going to be like super frustrated about it. One, I know I said this on the last podcast. Like, they're going to say like they're going to make me do one, and I just I don't want like I want to be the sidekick. I don't have to think about like. Like, we go on location to the car dealership, and, like, Patterson's there early, and he's, like, glad-handing and shaking hands and talking to the corporates and doing all that stuff that I have no interest in doing that, (laughs) anything like that. I just want to show up, you know, talk some shit and leave. And I know that if it ends, they're going to say, well, now you got to do one. And I'm like, oh, man, like, who am I going to do it with? It's just going to be, like, really depressing for me, and then plus, like, if it's me and him on the road, like, it could be really good. Like, there's all kinds of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff that we can talk about. And um, to have that, to have both of us on the road together, um, I, I think could could really help make it, uh, kind of kick it up to the next level. So I'll be disappointed that we would have missed that chance, and then I'll be super depressed that they're going to be like, yeah you got to do one on your own and you got to find someone to do it with and you got to go to like the dealership and meet people. So. <laughs> do you think if you and J-Pat did a pack cast on the road, it would make its way into the morning skate? I don't know. Like, I don't know what we got to, like, this will that's, probably that's be, the real you know question. what? Like, here's the funny thing. Like, Patrick will probably up, I don't know when, when are you going to post this? Uh, probably tomorrow, Friday. Tomorrow, yeah. So, I don't know. He'll probably like he'll probably listen to this, and then he'll have my thoughts on like three different morning skates all next week. From that, they'll be like, "Yeah, he was on the Canucks Army pod. Like he just loves <laughs> the Canucks Army podcast." And I'm like, "Dude, I work right with you. Like I do the podcast like seven feet away from you. Like I could throw a football to you over there. Like." Like, I could grab, like, Mooney has his football on his dad. I don't even know why he apparently plays football. I don't know. But I'm like, I could grab Mooney's football and throw it right to you. Yet you can't give the podcast any love, and it's always Canucks Army this, Canucks Army. Like, even today, like, he texted, like, did you see what Sat said about Good Branson? Like, this is a really good point. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Yeah, great point by Sat. Like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not even working today. He just randomly text me, like, what an amazing tweet this was about from Sat. Like, and he's got the big eyes and like, oh, this is such a great tweet. I mean, why don't you know what you said? You said something about like, oh, Demers, you could see Good Branson. Oh yeah, just like I could see Talon wanting to Good Branson. Yeah, That's what would like, be the question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, like, what he was saying to me. Like, I was like, see, what why? you need to do, Botch, you need to you need to write. You need to join Canucks Army for like a week. I'm gonna yeah. Put up two pieces, and then you'll be in with Patrick. Yeah, and then I'll be fired, and they'll be like, "They don't even want me doing this." Oh man, that's pretty funny. Well, we yeah, won't so tell anybody. Like, this is an amazing tweet from Sat, and uh, Sat's tweet is: "If the Canucks are interested in Demers, the Panthers would likely want Good Branson back with Talon running the show." 
And I go, you find that surprising? Like, this seems logical to me. <laughs> I, and he wrote back, I find it amazing. I'm like, what? So, man, credit to you. You, had to know you, you shook him. You thought, <laughs> thought, your, thought your ideas. I'll so, shook no over wonder, the idea. No wonder you're going wherever you're going. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Somewhere soon to yeah, be announced. For your amazing tweets to continue. <laughs> yeah. Well, the tweets haven't stopped, so we'll, we'll yeah. keep we'll keep that. But so he loves anyone tied to, to Canucks Army. He's just involved. well. Now that you know you've, yeah, you've done a guest appearance. Now that you were on the show, you're gonna get some shine from Pat. <clears throat> yeah, I know probably. And the morning skate's pretty powerful, so. Yeah, not quite <sighs> like the Paravis, though. Are you gonna have a I special free agent edition after the weekend? No, no, no. They want me to. They would want me to Paravis everything. They'd be like, yeah. um... You know, there's uh, I think DeGrasse was in a that Harry Jerome track event. Yeah. And he kicked ass on that. Yeah. They they'd have me provise that. They'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> they'd yeah, they, they'd pro they, he wants me to do provies like every other day. And so I, the only way I can get around it, I say, look, the provies are just for games. <laughs> uh, you know, we really got to keep it. We got to stay committed to the idea that it's just for games. Uh, and. Otherwise, if I didn't say that, he would honestly, he'd be like, go to the White Cats game, Provi's that, go to, you know, some local soccer tournament and Provi's that. Like, he would just, Provi's your life. Like, it would just be doing Provi's, like, constantly. It's like the Fast and Furious movies. A new movie comes out Yeah, I know, but it's just exhausting. I just, I I need a break. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, Botch. Maybe uh, I'll let you do one, JD. You can, I'll have you guest guess right a provis i'd be down with that okay it wouldn't be as good but i, I would be down with that i'll uh, i'll keep you in mind Sweet. see we just i'll get my agent to give you a call we got a All new right. gig for jd <laughs> I'll, I'll have my people talk to your people we'll work something out see what we can do the summer of media continues <laughs> but botch yeah we appreciate the time we'll let you go take care of your ever-growing family and uh so you're off then after after free agency for a while no, I've got uh, the prospects development camp after that. I'll be around. I'll be around. Well, we'll be we'll be keeping in tune to uh, the the province and the Vancouver Sun for all your coverage. Thanks for giving us some time, Botch. Okay, guys. Another great hit from Botch. I think that's the second time on the Canucks Army podcast and killed it as usual. No, it's it's sounding like it's going to be a really interesting week. Uh, unlike last year, we just we really don't know what the Canucks' direction is. Last year, it was pretty clear that they were going to go for Louis Erickson. They were going to go hard. This year, I don't know, Sat. What do you think? Are they small R rebuild, or are they going to approach free agency, uh, you know, compete and development at the same time kind of approach? I still think they're going to do a bit of both. So I think uh, Sam Gagne for sure is uh, a real deal. Whether they get him signed or not, we'll find out by uh, Saturday morning. But I think as long as they're in on guys like that and they're willing to say give two or three year terms, I mean, are you truly rebuilding? I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, if you get if you get Gagne for two years at six million total or something like that, I'd be like, okay, well, you know, that's you know, it's not the worst deal. I can see a rebuilding team looking to do a deal like that. But anything longer than that, and you're adding contracts upon contracts. I mean, you already have Louis Erickson for another five years at over six million at six million per year on a cap hit. Um, you don't really want to tie yourself down, especially with the cap staying flat. It's not like the cap's growing much over the next few years. Revenue streams aren't coming in. It's going to stay pretty flat for a while, and especially if the Canadian dollar continues to struggle. So um, I don't know, man. Like I, I think that staying away from any long-term contract tomorrow or this 
as July one kicks off is the right way to do it. But I don't know, man. I, I don't know that they will. I think they're they're gonna try to sign somebody. That's that's the worst thing is that I don't want them to stay away from the free agent market entirely. No. What I well, want them to do is fine. to identify ways to tr- to buy draft picks. That like traditional rebuilding moves. We're we're not asking for a lot here. Just identify players who are undervalued by the market. They exist every year, whether it's a Lee Stempniak, uh, like Ron Hainsey was a great example for the Carolina Hurricanes. They signed him on a PTO, right? What was it, like a PTO or a one-year deal for absolutely nothing? They just turned 36-year-old Ron Hainsey into a second-round pick and a prospect. No doubt. It took them a couple years to get there, but, but the point is that these players exist in free agency every year. And the Canucks just seem so unwilling to tap into that market. And more than anything, I want them to really kind of reapproach free agency and see if they can kind of work their way into that seller's market. Well, if, if they, if they, you know, if you sign guys like say Huntwick to a one-year deal, I mean, that's a guy you could probably flip at a deadline for a decent pick, right? So, I mean, if you end up signing guys like that, hey, I'd be all for it. I mean, go for it. Um, and even you know, if you got Scott Hartnell on a one-year deal, for instance, or you know. Um, even Neil Yakupov on a one-year deal, stuff like that. I don't have a problem with those things. Those things are fine. Um, just stay away from giving out term. And a guy that you sort of promise a top six a pr- prominent role to, I worry about that because I worry about what that does to the competition for those young guys over the next season. Now, as Botch touched on, I mean, Besser, sure, you can start the year Utica. It's fine. Same with Vertanen, really. Um, but the gold is an interesting one because... If, uh, if he doesn't get a crack or he feels he doesn't get a fair crack, as we saw with Tramkin, maybe he's not even here next season. So um, just basically make sure you have the opportunity for these guys. Yeah, I know you have to earn it, but don't close too many doors is what I would say. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I just... That's, that's the problem though, Sad, is I'm, I'm worried they're not going to make those Hunwick offers that you were talking about. Yeah, we have heard they are, and they have touched base with his agent. So maybe, just maybe, that gets done. I mean, for, like on defense, it just doesn't make sense to sign any, any of these guys to anything beyond a year, maybe two. It just doesn't. I mean, you have all these guys that are looking for one-year deals. There is no need to sign anybody to a long-term contract. No, and and here's the thing that really kind of makes me curious is that the Sam Gagne speculation and Jason Botcher kind of touched on this while he was on the show. How do they see that? As how do they see a connection between the Sedins departing and Sam Gagne stepping into the Canucks lineup? Like, do they, do they really think that that's even a band aid? No, I, I like, think. This, like, what do they? What, what hole yeah. do they think they're plugging? Like, Sam yeah. Gagne just played on a fourth line. Yeah, I, I don't think it's. I don't think they look at it as in okay. Well, now we have a center here. We'll make the playoffs if the Sedins go away. I think they look, literally look at it and say, well. If if the Sedins leave next year, Horvat and Sutter are only two centers. We have Gons. Who's going to be the third center in the mix that can play the second, third line role? Nobody. Maybe Sam Gagne can be that guy. And obviously, we're not going to be any good the year after. But at the very least, we're not going to be a fifty-point team. I think that's the way they're looking at it. I think the way you have to. I mean, it's all about the lower bar, right? So I mean, the bar here isn't to be a playoff team. The bar here is to be a 75-point team, 80-point team, maybe, right? I mean, that's what you're aiming to be, a 500 team. And if you're aiming to be a 500 team and you lose the Sedins, 
you don't want to be a 50-point team. You want to be at least a 65, 75-point team. I know this seems ridiculous for a team that's rebuilding, but I mean, that's what they're looking at. They're looking at not being so bad that it's embarrassing every night and that you go into every night expecting to lose. And they feel like if they have a couple of guys that can maybe plug in, then they feel a little bit better about not getting laughed out of the building every night. Oh, to be in such a state of denial. Yeah, so I think <laughs> I think sort of that's the mindset they're looking at. And honestly, if I mean, I'd much rather sign Sam Gagne to a three or four year contract than Louis Erickson any day of the week. But yeah. it's still one of those guys that one or two years maybe. But you're looking at anything beyond that, considering where the Canucks are as an organization, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, okay, I'll, I'll frame it this way: they have to look at a player like Sam Gagne, and they can't have that contract exceed his like peace peak utility right if you know what i mean like right. if they think that he's got four more years in the tank of a being a productive middle six center they need to sign him for three right and if they don't want to turn him into an immediate tradable asset they have to make contingencies so that he might be one in the future because reality check they're not a playoff team in three years no, but I think the way to look at Gagne too is, well, he's flexible enough that you can play him on a fourth line role and have him as a power play specialist. He can play the wing, he can play center. And one thing we've heard about Benning a lot is he likes guys that are flexible. He likes players that can play multiple positions. And Gagne will be another one of those players. And I do like the versatility. And I do like the fact that he can play up and down the lineup. So even if you do give him a longer term deal, I know he's not the worst guy to sign because he's still like, what, 26 years old? He's not even that old, really. 27, whatever the case is. So... Um, it's not the worst contract. It's just, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? And if you're truly rebuilding, you don't really go and sign these guys at three or four-year deals. No, I, I totally agree. Um, here's something I want to run by you, though, while we're talking about young-ish centers on the free agent market. What about Nick Benino? <laughs> no, no. I mean, what, like a one-year deal, sure. One or two-year deal, like two million per year, whatever. But anything beyond that, Why? No, I know. I was just being a jerk. Okay, good, good. good. No, I was no, like, well, I'm... you know, you were you weren't being serious now, were you? We can't start this one up. I have Sutter and Benito. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe you get one good center out of the two of them. Yeah, if, if you combine them. If you combine them, yeah. Have uh, Benino's playmaking skills, have, add Sutter's size and speed and shot, and maybe you got something. You'd have a hell of a, uh, a top six center. Like, you yeah. could have somebody who could, like, carry a second line if you combined their best attributes well what if you put them on the same line what happens then Oof. Like, who plays the wing <laughs> who plays the wing I, I like Sutter on the wing I've okay. always said I think he's a guy that should play the wing okay so we're making the perfect combination of Sutter and Benino <laughs> Sutter and Benino we've finally the found their succession plan to the city well I'm, I'm running with this experiment okay so we give him Sutter's legs <laughs> give him Sutter's wrist shot. We give him Benino's brain. Good player. I think not that's a good player. player. That's, that's a start. That's a good start. That's a good start. Too bad if this is not the uh, island of Dr. Moreau. So <laughs> this will not be going down, unfortunately. I know you're trying to play mad sciences, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, Nick Benino, I mean, that's, for a second I thought you were like, Nick, come on. Sign no. Nick Benino. Like we just spent all this time talking about it. not even signing Sam Gagne, signing Nick Benino. I, mean, I think Gagne is a better player than Benino. I, I I think you're probably right. And and you know what? It's it's Gagne had a hell of a season. He's earned a, a good contract. I agree with that much. I, I just don't think the Canucks should be the team to do it. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I, I looked up Sam Gagne. I think he has what 
he's played over his almost 700 games and he's have he has over 400 points he's played almost seven six six hundred ninety odd some games 420 odd some points that's not bad production you know I mean he he's just north of half a point a game so when you're at that level as a hockey player at in the, at the NHL level I mean that's not that bad I mean the guy can put up points he's you can pretty much shoe him in for 15 goals and at least 35 to 45 points guaranteed Yep. No, I, I agree with your point. I think that um, when you look at Sam Gagne, he's one of those players who kind of got caught in that that bizarre kind of matrix where people confuse a disappointing player for a bad player. Right, So exactly. because Sam Gagne never built on that first season he had with the Oilers where he looked like he was going to be a bona fide all-star, people never really adjusted expectations accordingly, and he's kind of flown under the radar since. And he's bounced around the league, and he's, like you said, half a point per game. I would expect that from somebody who was like a passable-ish second-line center. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I think he's a, he's a decent enough player, and I'm not going to sit here and poo-poo him. It's just a matter of, it all comes down to term, right? I mean, it's how much you're paying, how many years, um, you know, what's the role, what are you committing to, what does that mean for the other guys, what's your big-picture plan? But, um, you know, when you do have a lot of young players, I understand why I need some veterans. And I do see value in having a strong team in Utica because you'll have guys competing on both levels so that should help bring the best out of everybody but you just sort of hope that it doesn't marginalize somebody who needs an opportunity next year and then you end up sort of messing up that asset that's all i'm hoping for i'm just hoping that the young guys they have guys like goldobin especially um and besser and vertan these guys sort of get the shine they need over the next little while and if it's a one year i'm not so much worried about next year for besser and vertan but if you have sam gagne to a two or three year contract you know, and you sign Berchi and Grand. I mean, you start locking guys up, and if the Sedins do come back, I mean, you you only have so many spots, right? Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, we'll see. It is good times though, and if they do sign Anders Nielsen, that is a good signing too. So, this continues a list of not so bad things happening in Vancouver. So, we hope that continues for sure. And and yeah, like you said, not so bad things. It's it's definitely a step up from last year. No, I mean, we're, we're sitting here talking about signing Sam Gagne as opposed to Louis Erickson. And instead of signing... Milan Lucic. Right. Or, and, 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 and just about a few weeks ago, we were talking about, are they going to sign Ryan Miller to a one, two-year deal at $4 million per year? Now you're looking at a guy like, say, Anders Nielsen or whatever at a two-year contract at a much reduced price than that. And a guy who's, you know, maybe 10 years younger even. So um, I think these are all very positives. And even if they do sign Gagne, I think... It'd be a lot easier to swallow than a guy like Louis Erickson. Yeah, I, I agree completely. So stay tuned. We, we will recap uh, what happens in free agency next week for sure on this Canucks Army podcast. Uh, what else do we got coming up at CanucksArmy.com, JD? Well, as soon as we uh, finish recording this podcast, I'm going to dive into doing some free agency content. Uh, our boy Johnny Pierogi, Jackson McDonald, the main mud wrestler himself, He's been pumping out some free agent content this week. I think he's covered about 32 free agents so far. Uh, nice. Players that the Canucks could consider a lot of reclamation projects, uh, under-the-radar kind of players. It's It's been a really thorough and well-done series, so I'd recommend you check that out. And uh, Hopefully, if I've got a little time, we'll finish up that Canucks Army Year in Review series. It's been running for about three months. That a boy. That sounds like a good idea, and we will be tuned to all that and all the happenings with your hometown team, the Vancouver Canucks. So, JD, thank you so much. We will talk again very soon. Thank you, Tusat. Rate, review, subscribe. As always.